been a little while between drinks, a couple of months, but we are back for Unplugged. We've been meaning to sort of chat for a little while, but life and various other things get in the way. But uh, we ended up deciding we'd roll a trade and, and draft wrap into one. We will be joined a little bit later on in this episode by the AFL draft guru, Kevin Shifter-Sheehan. No one knows more about the young talent coming through than, than Shifter, so really keen to get him uh, his thoughts and, and pulling apart each of the individuals. Uh, as always, we, we love having you on board. If you jump on board your uh, platform and your podcast provider and leave us a review, hopefully five stars, be it iTunes or Facebook or wherever it happens to be. And, of course, follow us on socials through the off-season and the season proper, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. The trade and free agency period was was busy. Some names that have been semi-favourite sons at the club at times have, have departed. Uh, all of them obviously came to St Kilda with pretty big raps, like Jade Gresham, Jack Billings, Nick Caulfield, etc. So we'll discuss a little bit about what that means. And in comes Liam Henry, who was, I guess, our prize recruit of sorts of the off-season, Paddy Dow, and then a bunch of picks, some of which were used and some of which have been banked for next year. We've gone through some of the delistings. There's one of them that's obviously quite sad and quite unfortunate with Dan McKenzie, who had a, a fair degree of potential. And I don't think many of us thought when he got concussed at the Gabba in 2022 that he'd never play again. But uh, such is the, I guess, the twists and, and sometimes tragic in a sporting sense tales of footy that, that he's one of those. Um, but there is a lot to talk about, Nick. As I bring you in, the... We're always pretty happy after the draft. It's impossible hmm. to know for sure. But, um, but yeah, I think we've done all right. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I think we all knew kind of coming out of that, that final loss to, to the Giants where we fell down. And it was pace, it was speed, it was running ability, it was kicking skills. And everyone knew it. I mean, obviously, Soss and Ross and the club knew it internally. They would have known inside out what they were looking for. But we as fans and, and as a fan group, knew exactly what it was that we were missing. And it looks like, I mean, just off the top that we've kind of um, done everything that we needed to do, whether it was in, in free agency or, or trade, you know, bringing in guys like Liam Henry who can who can run and deliver the ball, run and carry. Paddy Dow uh, is another one who, who's come in and, and you know, can really make a difference from day one in terms of ball winning ability, um, playing through the middle and, and giving some of those guys like your Jack Steele and Crouch and Sinclair a chop out. Um, and, and can really have an impact. And, and as we've seen with a few other guys, whether it's Mason Wood or Liam Stocker or whatever, sometimes all you need is a bit of a change of scenery. And you know, as as sad as it is to see some of our guys go, like like your cough and and JB and and Gresh, um, you know, probably for them it's it's the best thing as well. And, and maybe they'll get a new lease on life and, and rediscover some of the form that that made them such good players uh, at times through throughout their career. But you know, we, we look forward and, and you know, bring in some of those guys like Henry and Dow and then looking at the draft crop that, that we'll talk to Shifter about a little bit later on. It's really exciting seeing seeing some of those those holes and some of those those areas where we were were lacking. Um, that we've we've now kind of filled some of those gaps and and we've got plenty of development still left I think in our in our list even before that so uh, there's a lot to look forward to in in 24 and and beyond. Yeah, hey, someone put on Twitter and apologies I don't, I don't know the account but they mentioned our list turnover in the last three years it's something like 27 players so it's been a mini rebuild on the run. Yeah, I'll, in the in the past we've also been a bit um, I wouldn't say attacked but 
had a, had a go at for perhaps holding on to a couple of players for maybe too long or giving them too much chance or and then not giving the players that we should have played and them and giving them the chance instead we've we've kind of moved on a couple of those players that are probably in that stage of yeah they could probably be in their best twenty two but they're probably not going to be what's going to win us games. I mean, JB, yeah, I mean, as much as we want, we love him and that, want him playing football. Um, we, we've probably moved on to other players now. It's it's what I think we needed to be a bit more aggressive and that's we're starting to see that, which is good. Um, just that sentiment, we can't be sentimental all the time. We've... Yeah, we've got to let some of these players go. We, they, they're not going to be there forever. And, yeah, and that's that's what we want to see. We had players who want to come to us. We had players who will take those spots, who, will, yeah, probably give us a bit of bit of a refreshment. You sort of look at the – you go well, – you look at the Billings and Gresham and Caulfield and you see the players that came in. They're all about two years younger each. So we've got about – we've picked up probably about two years average age in those players that we've swapped. So it just freshens our list. It gives us a bit more, if you call two years, a bit more youth in in those players. And, yeah, it's exciting to see go, we've got some new players, new legs, new um, positions we can fill. Let's see what they can bring us. And, yeah, it's something new and exciting for us to wait for next year again. And hopefully... Yeah, the players we've picked up, they're exactly what we're looking for. And they, they want to play for the Guernsey because you find at times that the, some players you find that towards the end, that I mean, I'm not saying Gresh wasn't, but it just had a little bit of a feeling like he's not out there playing for us. He's It was a bit of he's playing for himself and his future at the moment. And yeah, let, let's hope that that change is the positive for the club. Yeah, look. There's if you look at the three outs, assessing those. There's the the good and the bad. I mean, Gresham, twenty possessions and a goal a game, roughly on average. Those those players aren't easy to replace. We we don't have many on our list that, in fact, really any other player on our list that's a twenty possession, one goal a game player. We know there are flaws in his disposal and decision making, and at times attitude, but. You know, as we say, there's the good and the bad. Nick Caulfield had a you know top five BNF year and intercept marker, and uh, we offered him a contract probably smartly to sort of assess how committed he was on how much he wanted to stay. And I think that then forced the hand where he had to make a decision: do I sign this contract or do I leave? And uh, obviously, it's it's made that call. And Jack Billings, I think Nick, you've mentioned it a number of times. I always felt he would be a very good player when we were a very good side. As we mm-hmm. developed, he would be a nice cream on the the, the top. I guess we'll never get that opportunity. I think he was always a little bit harshly judged based on the draft decision that the club made, which was not his fault, um, not his fault at all. Uh, and I think if you if you take in isolation what he did for us, he was fine. He was he was a, a pretty solid footballer for mm. us. It's just he could never shake that tag of having Bontepelli taken after him. But um, I hold no ill feelings towards really well, any of them, but Jack Billings in particular. Yeah, look, I think Jack Billings had had a pretty good St Kilda career, to be honest. Like, was he the greatest St Kilda draftee of all time? No, obviously not. And did you get pick three value out of him? Probably not. But like you said, that 
where they picked him in the draft is not his fault. And and as we've said a number of times over the last couple of years, you talk to, to anybody at St Kilda, at the Bulldogs, at any other club, and they'll tell you that Jack Billings was in the top three best players in that draft and that he was the consensus number three pick. And the Bulldogs have, have said, and I've spoken to people at the Bulldogs over the last few years, people at the, at the Doggies have said that if they had pick three instead of pick four, they would have picked Jack Billings over Marcus Bontempelli. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but if you look at his his career, his, his stats in isolation, like it's a pretty decent career. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that he, he did a lot of good stuff for us. Uh, obviously wasn't you know, at the elite, elite level um, and probably wasn't as consistent as he would have liked to be. But, um, you know, he was pretty good. And, and like you said, uh, don't hold any any ill will. I hope he goes he goes off and, and plays some good footy again. And, um, you know, he, they've got a window at, at Melbourne that they're, that they're in. And, and, you know, maybe he will get to, to taste some of that success now. Yeah, and... and... The, on the flip side, H, the, the ins, Liam Henry, it looked like us for a while, then it looked like Hawthorne, and then it ended up being us again. Um, <clears throat> looks like he's the long-term replacement for Brad Hill, who I think turns 32 next year. And then you get Paddy Dow, who the Paddy Dow story has been well-documented all year with Carlton, can find it, is very quick that the knock had been his disposal. But um, I think there's enough upside there. Yeah, I think you've... Aged Hilly a bit there. I think he only turns thirty, but um, yeah, he's... right. Apologies, Bradley. <laughs> um, so yeah, it it sounded like it was definitely like he'd nominated us. He had, it, it was all all just waiting for it to be signed on paper, and then as always seems to happen, any time a winger's available, Hawthorne is somehow going to get him from <laughs> out of the pocket of the team who's getting him. Um, so, but yeah, it's 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 good to. As you say, have I guess a, a replacement for Hill when he does finish up. I mean, he's good. He's a player who's going to be really handy to learn from, to understand where, like, how he plays. And you sort of think, well, is that connection partly what was that brought him to the club? He was there right at the end of his time at Fremantle. Um, I think we'll saying that Ross was just finishing up when Henry arrived. He was, I think it was a one-year crossover. He didn't play any seniors, but he was had that crossover sort of in the in the first year um, uh, rookie group sort of thing. And there might be something there that he saw and goes, yeah, I'd really like to play for Ross again. And yeah, it's again, speed. And, and hopefully, I mean, I've seen some pretty good um, highlights on him, and he seems to be a pretty good user of the ball as well. So uh, that's the thing we've been crying out for for a few years now, just a bit of polish, a bit of speed, and a bit of finishing. And we we have attacked that this year. It seems to be the just the thing we have just gone, that is what we're bringing into this team. We've got most of everything else we need. We've got the forwards. We need someone that can give it to them. We've got... The defenders, we've got the players that can make space and they the defenders can kick to them. And hopefully we'll find some of these midfielders that can run on and kick the goal from the like pick the ball up in the centre. So we're in running, kick the goals and finish all them off as well. Because I mean, we see it occasionally, we see a few flashes from a few players, but we don't have that consistent players who do that week in, week out. And hopefully they yeah, these few that we've picked up 
we saw Pat, we saw Dow kick a couple of goals like that against us. Um, we saw, yeah, like the Henry's highlights package of his goals are quite nice to watch. And yeah, it's just a couple of players you sort of go, yep, yep, it'd be nice just to see these highlights that we've seen on YouTube wherever and just watch them build on top of that and just, yeah, give give us what it was we were actually chasing. Well, we, we got to see both of those guys up close, didn't we? There were a couple of highlights from both of those guys in games mm. against us. Um, you know, Liam, Liam Ryan, um, you know, run, running around players and, and just putting the gas on and just jetting away. Like, kid's got serious pace. And then Paddy Dow, what he did in that, that second game, for Carlton um, against us later in the in the season, that second half was phenomenal. He probably won in the game that and day. Really, kind of, yeah, absolutely. But a, a little bit like Jack Billings, probably has has fallen prey to his draft position. You know, he was a pick three as well. He was in that Cam Rayner draft with with Brayshaw, and then a couple of guys directly behind him, Luke Davies, Uniac, and Adam Chera. Aaron Norton was a couple of picks later. Like a couple of really good players out of that that draft that he just. You know, either hasn't had the opportunity or hasn't taken the opportunity at every at every chance, at every level, um, to, to kind of make his mark. And and he's shown flashes, obviously. Um, you know, like I said, we we saw it. So, um, yeah. Look, I think there's I think there's there's plenty of opportunity for both of those guys to come in and, and have an impact straight away. The other one that came in kind of slipped under the radar a little bit was Riley Bonner in the preseason draft. Um, Always thought he was okay, um, Bonner, and uh, you know I'm not too disappointed to have landed that selection. What did we make of that one? H him coming across from Port Adelaide, played 93 games in eight seasons, 26 years old, was pretty good in their prelim years in sort of 2021 ish. Yeah, I mean, we could have done a lot worse than that, to be honest. He's yeah, once again another player that you you they put a highlights package out and you go, hey, he's got some ability. Um, I think he, as Dow, fell victim to um, time on the field. He, he didn't have that opportunity a lot of the time to get like consistent games. And it's, yeah, I mean, we've got probably a, a bit of a overstock of players that kind, but hey, it's when you look at it now, it's, it's a, it was a free pick almost. It's a player that go, if he doesn't do anything, it hasn't cost us anything. If he all of a sudden pops up and kicks 40 goals in a season for us from nowhere, you go, wait, hey, that's that's an absolute bonus. It's the sort of player that, it, it it's a free hit. So if he can give us something, fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's not the worst thing. I mean, he'll, he'll I assume he'll probably end up starting down at Sandy. And if we find we, he's kicking goals week to week and we're struggling with the our small forwards, he puts the pressure on them to keep their positions. They they have to keep their position if he's performing at Sandy. So, yeah, it's well, a the great other depth. two points that he had. Let's just say he had thirty seven in a game against Melbourne last year, and he had thirty two possessions, ten marks, and a goal in a preliminary final mm. just two years ago. So. Um, in a big game, he was yeah, the ability's there, there. So, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It just—I mean—it goes to show like, the, the club put 
uh, a really high priority on on running players, guys who can carry the ball, who can run, who can kick long and and deliver. And and they've gone out and and like you said, H, we do have a lot of those kind of running defenders, wingmen, guys that can run through the middle or play high half forward type roles um, to, to to fill some of those gaps. But um, if one of the things that you identify as lacking is your running ability and your running capacity, then go out and bring in runners. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, apologies to, to Liam Henry. I think I called him Liam Ryan a couple of minutes ago, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where it was a clear deficiency for us. We didn't have the run and carry. We didn't have the speed. We didn't have long kicking and the ability to deliver pinpoint into, into, into our forward line. And, and that's something that they've, they've really gone out and delivered on in terms of this, um, player movement period, and and then again in the draft. Yeah, and and you mentioned midfield. Our, our rankings as a team was something like fifth for attack, fourth for ruck, third for defence, and twelfth for midfield, or something like that. So clearly, it was an area that had to be bolstered. And getting more running options has been the the order of the day in I'm that having, space. Having Jack Steele missing yeah. missing so much footy doesn't doesn't yeah. help those those rankings. But even even still, you know, guys like. Who have been our prime movers? Let's take Jack Sinclair out of the out of the conversation because he's obviously a different beast to anyone else that we've got. But mm. you know, Steele and, and Crouch and and those guys in the middle are, are are a different beast, and and we know they can do their job, but we needed guys around them to 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 give them a hand. Now our draft hall was pick eighteen Darcy Wilson, pick twenty eight Lance Collard from WA, Angus Hasty at thirty three from the Geelong Falcons. Uh, Hugo Garcia at 50 from the Calder Cannons and then a Tassie boy, a bit of a, a bargain really in, in Ari Schoenmaker who was tipped to go a lot higher than that, um, snagging him with our, a late pick in the draft and a few other bits and pieces. We'll get some expert word on on that very shortly from Kevin Shifter-Sheen who can give us his thoughts on it. But before we jump into some, we'll also finish on some listener questions later, but before we bring in Shifter, I guess just a thought from both of you on Dan McKenzie. I think those stories are always sad. There's, there's no doubt that he was best 22 for a time. Obviously, he just established himself in that role through hard work and pressure and, and the like. And uh, his body, namely his calf, uh, has not allowed that to, to work, which is um, it's very unfortunate, I think. Yeah, it's it's a sad it's it's a sad story, isn't it? Because he was a guy that that had put in the work, had put in the effort, and was was coming good. You know, he's been in the system for for a long time. I think people don't realise he's been in the system and on the list for kind of seven or eight years. Um, and I think he's only played what, seventy odd games or something um, over that period. But really, in the last couple of years, um, you know, end of twenty one, first half of twenty two, um, was becoming one of the first picked players on the, on the team sheet every week. I mean, his, his running ability, he's strong in the contest. He's a great tackler, could kick long and, and deliver, um, never took a backward step and, and never shirked the contest. I mean, the guy just kind of put his heart and soul and, and, and bled for the club um, over that period and, and had really kind of come into his own and, um, and I think was, was starting to be recognized. We've seen since then, we've seen Mason Wood come in and kind of take that role and do something similar. But before Mason Wood kind of took, yeah, I guess this secured a fan base by storm over the last twelve months, um, or, or eighteen months. It, Dan McKenzie had done that, um, and and had become an integral part of our our lineup and and our system. Um, and it's it's such a shame because he's a ripping bloke as well. Um, been lucky enough to to chat to him a couple of times, and 
really, really intelligent. You look at him and you look at the way that he plays and you probably don't have that as your first kind of perception of him, but you, you talk to him and he's super intelligent, really you know, deep thinker, looks at things differently to a, to a lot of footy players. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a really sad story because I really like Dan McKenzie. Um, and one of those really strange occurrences where, you know, his last act for the club was was putting his body on the line. He got knocked out, obviously concussion, and then we never saw him again with a calf. It's uh, one of those strange things that you injure your calf and you're out with a concussion, um, which I'm not quite sure how it happens, but it happened. Um, and that seems very St Kilda. Yeah, there's a phrase for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just that. I guess the main point was that we used picks we may not have otherwise then used that pick to bring him back in. But it was, it was just the opportunity of who came up that we took. So it's just a, a victim of the situation there is that who was available for us. And unfortunately you sort of go, well, yeah, this, this player is available. That's who we kind of wanted to pick, but we're a little bit, iffy now because we, we don't know when you're going to come back. We don't know how you're going to be when you get back. And it, it's just, yeah, it's the unfortunate situation that we're going to, sorry, we got, we're taking someone else that we believe is right to go. And yeah, it's, that's the whole thing. 100%, 100% believe that the plan was to redraft him or, or re-sign mm. him uh, in, in the SSP period because you don't send someone to Europe to go and get fixed up and go see doctors and, and all that sort of stuff if you don't plan on having him as part of your future um, or at least giving him another opportunity to be part of the future. Um, so I, I 100% believe the plan was that he was going to be re-signed either later this year or, or early next year. Um, but obviously, Schoenmaker, who, who had been on the board for a while, I think Soss said post-draft that, that he had him kind of around the 20 to 30 mark um, on, on his draft board. Um, and obviously, we picked guys ahead of him as well. So there were clearly some question marks about um, about what he was going to bring to us in the short to medium term. But um, yeah, I think seeing him there on the board at, at 62 was just too too tempting. Yeah, and um, there is a listener question, which we'll bring up later, basically saying, is he one of the saddest stories uh, of recent times, given his last act, putting the body on the line when it was finally coming together. And, yeah, absolutely. And I remember at the Gabba, not his debut, but very close to his debut, he did similar. He took a mark back in back of the pack and got flattened. Um, and then his career ended the same way at the same place, unfortunately. But uh, we have got the next generation of footballers coming through. And to take us through all of that is AFL talent manager Kevin Sheehan. Hi there, I'm Kevin Sheehan, the AFL's Talent Ambassador. I want to step you through some of the important attributes that you need to be good at should you want to get in and play in the AFL. The first attribute that you have to have if you want to be a very good AFL player is clean hands. To be able to catch that, catch that, catch that ball whatever angle it comes to. It's a little bit of an oblong shape, so when it's on the ground it can bubble around a wee bit. You need to bodyline that ball at ground level. It's in front of your eyes and you're taking it for a mark, you need to be clean and never fumble. My second key attribute is disposal, or the ways in which you get rid of the ball in AFL. There's only two legal ways, and that is to hand pass the ball or to kick it. But to be good at it, you need to be good on your left side and your right side, whether that be hand or foot. 
It's easy to practice that too. You can do lots of repetitions over short distances to ensure that when you get the ball, you pass on the advantage to your teammate. The third attribute you need to have to make the elite level is sufficient athleticism. Here we're talking about speed, agility and endurance. You need to have at least one of those attributes to be able to win the ball against your opponent. Not everyone will be like a Paddy Dangerfield that certainly has got speed, agility and endurance, but you need to have a trick up your sleeve to get away from your opponents. The fourth attribute you need to have to make the game at the elite level is some footy nous. So what does that mean? It's just footy smarts. It's understanding the game. It's reading of the play, knowing when to push in front of a pack to get a crumb, when to go over and support your teammate with a shepherd, or when to go across and receive a hand pass from your teammate. All of this will come through very good training and match play at the highest level. The fifth attribute we look for is players that have a positive can-do attitude, that they are great teammates, they have great self-belief, but most of all, they have great fun playing the game. Well, we are analysing the draft and no one better to do that with than Kevin Shifter-Sheehan, AFL talent guru, has been the held the positions of the AFL talent manager. And I remember during the pandemic in 2021, sitting at Ballarat, watching a game between Vic Country and Vic Metro, where Mitch Owens had come in as an emergency uh, and was the second best player on the ground behind Nick Dacos in that game. And I remember Shifter saying to me, oh, you must be pretty happy that this guy's in your academy. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And uh, the rest of his history ended up being a, uh, a star a couple of years on. And uh, he keen to have a chat about some of the Saints' next crop. Shifter, nice to speak to you again. Yeah, thanks for having us on. And I must admit that uh, I'm a bit of a Saints fan uh, for... Uh... All of, well, the first 21 years of my life I was a Saints fan anyway because I had an uncle that played for them, played from back in the the, ni- uh, the 1930s. He's a ruckman that came up to our little uh, abode in Bendigo uh, from time to time, would tell us all about the big smoke and really got us all involved. And so I'm uh, such a Saints fan, I can tell you exactly where I was standing when they won that 1966 Premiership. I was listening on a transistor <laughs> radio at the Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo. Unbelievable. I ran home that excited at the one point win and uh, it was just, un- and I still got a brother, but my older brother, Paul, uh, the big owl, he still supports St Kilda, he sponsors them and all of that. So we've got to, some Saints bl- blood, no doubt about it. And uh, I've got a soft spot for them the whole time. <laughs> St Kilda were a bit lucky before I handed over to the boys back then, weren't they? Because we were watching Mitch Owens and, and Windhager develop and then the pandemic stopped the year. Um, I remember thinking at the time that had the season have kept going, that they were expanding that quickly, that they would have jumped into the top 20 and we would have missed them. That's right. Uh, gee, didn't he have a marvellous game that day when he was the last minute inclusion, Mitch Owens, into that uh, Vic Metro side and were that excited that this boy, that was the day that, uh, well, he built his reputation. We thought this kid can really play. I reckon he might have had 28 or 29 disposals in the match. And uh, we're looking forward to then what might have occurred for the next uh, eight weeks. But it wasn't to be. Uh, we got to combine time and all of a sudden, uh, I think he might have been a wee bit uh, injured. But we didn't quite see. Even the interviews changed a fraction from his willingness to go anywhere to... Yeah, but look, it's great to see the way he's unfolded as a player. Uh, and such a versatile one too, isn't he? Just uh, become a key undersized forward at times when you needed one down there at, uh, at St Kilda. And then I think he can be a terrific midfielder as well. So 
uh, yeah, he's a, he's a star very much on the rise. Shifter, looking at, at some of the, the kids that have come through this draft, yeah. um, and, and probably uh, it might start from the bottom because it's I think it's probably unusual that a guy picked at 62 is kind of the talk of the draft. Obviously, highly rated. He's got a weapon of a left foot. Ari Schoenmaker um, slipped to, to 62, and, and the Saints... I don't think we're planning on using that pick, but but happened to, to snap him up there late in the draft. But how did how high did you have Ari Schoenmaker rated heading into this draft? Well, Nick, um, I don't quite put him in order, but I do put out a forty, so I had him in my forty for sure. Uh, and he was the last the last of my players, except for Kynan Brown, who was the best and fairest player for Vic Metro. Melbourne had dibs on him as a father son, and they were able to mm-hmm. take him in between the uh, the draft and the rookie draft. So he, he was my last one to go, but Ari Schoenmaker was the other one. Yeah, so I had him in 40. I thought he'd go in the 30s, somewhere in there. He is just an exciting player when he gets the ball in his hands. He A thumping kick, as you mentioned. I think all the fans would know by now that uh, that um, he is just sensational at that. He'll kick at 65 metres. So he's the, he's the uh, the guy they, they gave it to, both for the Tassie Devils and for the Allies, he played two games with the Allies. That's against the very best in the country, and he started straight away, this fella. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're really impressed by, uh, well, a boy of 194 centimetres that really can play wing, could play half back. He can intercept, but he can be just the, the release player too that sets the play up. So I reckon he's an absolute steal, and I could believe that as fact that Steve Silvani and his boys would have said, it shouldn't be here. We've just got to exercise that that ability now to use choice 62. This fella should have gone earlier uh, and he's sitting on the board and that's just the way it all works. And so he's a, he's a bargain. He might end up the steal of the draft, in fact. Do you think some of the teams may have been a bit timid in picking him for the fact that it's only about four years away now that Tassie will be starting to pick players from teams coming up? And do, do, do you think that teams might have looked and gone... That, that, that's something we don't deal with if this kid's going to be that sort of player at only age 22 or whatever when he gets to that point. Do you yeah. think that there could be reasoning behind there? Yeah, it was a, a bit of an issue that people talked about. Um, but I, I'd be of the view that you back your footy club and uh, that they'll come across and love their teammates. Any player will love their teammates and, and uh, you know, really integrate with a group and just want to stay there forever. You know, that's... Uh, uh, that's the immediate impression you hope that this player would have when he comes into your footy club, that this is the best place on earth to be and I, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, quite a number of boys have said that at the end of the draft, that that um, one of their, their uh, real strength is the fact that they are loyal people. So you've given me a chance and I want to pay that faith and play for you for as long as I possibly can. So Ari, yeah, I think he's a unique talent and uh, just through circumstances he ends up there and, uh, yep, you got a good one in the 60s, in my view. I'll jump to the other end of Darcy Wilson, St Kilda's first pick. I always love it, personal bias, when, when St Kilda pick regional Victorians. I always like the, the cut of the other, the country Victorians in terms of what they bring to the table. But he, uh, the comparisons on work rate and running machine, they, they throw up Sam Walsh, whether that's player or whether that's work rate. But, but can you tell us a little bit about Darcy? Yeah, well... When we say Sam Walsh would say because when Sam plays on the wing, let's say his first year, he plays out a bit wider. Just his running ability, um, Sam Walsh's, as well as Darcy Wilson's, is elite. Very, very elite. Uh, so he subbed six minutes for the 
the 2K. So he can run like Brad Hill, put it that way. He gets up and down the ground at an incredible rate. Um, he's super athletic, even things. The testing's not everything, but it does confirm what the eye sees. So when we go to combine and we test a running vertical jump and you see that he's in the top two, uh, he tests in all those athletic tests super well, but that's the way he plays. He can jump up their backs uh, as, a, as a, an outside player, as a half forward or as a wingman. So one-on-one, you're able to see that feature. He's a goal kicker when he gets close to goals. He's got elite agility to get through. Um, you've got two words I like to use a little bit. One's uh, uh, potential and the other one's production. This kid's got both the potential, then he's produced. He's the best and fairest winner at the Murray Bushies. So it's not as if he's showing you flashes. He consistently dominated up there all year. Uh, he played well for the Australian under-18s against uh, against uh, Port's Sandful team. And that was uh, during gather round. And we're playing in misty conditions up in, the, up in the Adelaide Hills that were pretty challenging against probably, in Darcy's case, uh, listed players for the first time. And he was in the best three players. Harley Reid, no surprise, won the medal. He was the best. But this kid was the second or third best player that day. So that's a good test if you, I call it your, um, I suppose, uh, your resilience. You're able to come up, not be faced too much about the occasion and, and perform. Uh, so that's another tick for him. So I, I think he's a ripper. I, I thought he might have gone in the top dozen or so. You've got him at 18. I think you've done pretty well. If, you, if you're out shopping, you think he's going to be there at 18, you've done pretty well that he's still there on the board at that stage. Lance Collard at, at 28 out of WA, it seems like the Eagles are, are pretty miffed that, that he didn't last past 40 for, for mm. him to go there, given he was in their their academy. Um, having not seen a whole lot except for some highlights reels, he does look a bit like a, a human highlights reel. He's a bit of kind of Isaac Rankin or Shea Bolton and, and that type of player about him. But where do you see his kind of best position? Is it is it, is it that small four? Is it more kind of lead up, up to the wing? Half forward type type guy. Yeah, he's probably the deep forward. He might even be a bit of Bobby Hill about him. Uh, you know, Norm Smith medalist. We hope that might be the case for Saints fans in about three or four years' time. Uh, look, he played in the Nationals and was kept very quiet going in. He was all the buzz. Look, he'll have to put a good tight player on him because he had played very well in a, a trial. He kicked free and all the tricks were on show, ducking and diving around. And you just couldn't couldn't lay a glove on him in terms of tackling. But he was held in the Nationals. Then it all clicked for him late in the year, and he had these three games out of five right at the end of the year, including two finals where he's kicked five goals. He's just all of a sudden realised, I can do this, and put on near clinics in those games and start. And everyone said, geez, this kid's going to bolt into uh, not just uh, top 40, but even higher than that in everyone's view. Uh, then finally, um, he come to combine, and again, like Darcy Wilson that starred, this kid, was uh, outstanding at the combine with his athletic ability, including his endurance as well. So that just uh, meant that West Coast had no no chance of being able to match a bit after 40 on Lance Collard. Um, and it was just, as I say, the back couple of months of the year, that he really started to mature. He's very lightly built at the minute, so just be a bit patient. It might take me a year or two to get there, but he's got every trick in the book for a small forward. Uh, and a goal kick with an innate ability up around the stick. So very exciting. You've got him there at 28. Yep. So that was our first night. The second night, we had an early pick, took, I'm going to try, I've heard a few different ways this has been said, but hasty or hasty or, have you got any confirmation on that for us to begin with? Um, and, and 
be yeah, a hasty. Angus hasty. It is hasty. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Geelong boy. So what we heard. What do we? What should we watch out for him? Well, you're going to see a half-back flanker. You're going to see. I think he's a, the the perfect shape type for the modern day player playing in a running position. So he's 190. You know, you you you're, you're virtually you're six foot three, <laughs> play on the outside. As uh, he is the designated kicker down there at uh, at the Geelong Falcons, and and for Vic Country, most of the time mm. was kicking in. Now that responsibility is given to a guy that's a, a terrific kick and a great decision maker. Mm. Okay, so you're getting that out of him. You'll notice in the uh, it, again testing, he was third in the the agility. He uses that in the game. His agility. He steps blokes, so he'll be dashing out of the fence. Someone comes at him. Whoop! He's just one step, just a bit of a feint. And away he goes, and it will take him on. There was a game up in Bendigo, again, a final. Um, and he's, I, I reckon he's bounced it three or four times. He's carried the ball 60, 70 metres. It was just one of those stunning runs that if you weren't convinced before then, you were you were after that, that, gee, this kid's got all the quality of a dashing defender that breaks the lines. We know he kicks it well. He's a good size. Nothing's going to stop this kid now. Here's your little quick summary in your head. Uh, to lock him away, someone's going to take this boy. You're not sure whether it's 20 or whether it's 25 or or 35, but he's he's good enough. He's certainly clearly in my 40 um, as a as a boy that uh, any of the clubs uh, would be happy to take. And at 33, the Saints have called Angus Hasty the the uh, dashing defender from the Falcons. And the last one was Hugo Garcia mid-forwards. Uh, can you take us through what he can bring to the table? Obviously, the Saints have got a few in that mould, like Filippo and, and others, but they've, they've drafted another there. Well, he comes from a great... Well, he, he's a boy from down uh, around the northern suburbs of Melbourne, but goes up to Assumption College. Uh, and a lot of boys do now from the metro area get up to that school. It's a great footy school. Not only do they learn their footy, but they have subjects call AFL, you know, it's a, it's a whole subject. He can learn the game and learn the inside of it. Um, Barry Prendergast was running that program up there. That was a former North Melbourne development coach. He'd been a recruiter at Melbourne. Uh, now, young Hugo got got injured uh, a bit later in the year, uh, but I went back to, it, to, to looking for his weapon um, just before the draft. I was going back over him again. Gee, I knew he could win the ball. Wins at one-on-one, good competitor, a lovely size at about 185. But his elite speed was shown up when they tested early in the year. So he didn't test at the end of the combine because he's injured. So you go back to the testing back in March, and he was about a 2.93 over 20. So that's sharp. The kids weren't all tuned up at that point, but he was in the top bracket of kids, the top 10 in Victorian testing. So I reckon uh, this looks like a speed group. You've got wonderful speed in these four players. Sean Maker's quick enough. Uh, he's a different type of player, but the other four are all quick. So you've added speed um, so clearly. It must have been a prerequisite that we get some real pace into our team and uh, they've certainly injected that with those boys. Shifter, um, just mentioned Matthias Filippo uh, a couple of minutes ago, but obviously he's he's a year in. He was the youngest kid in, in last year's draft. Uh, we saw flashes from him. Looks super talented, but what are you expecting to see from, from him next year? And I guess also on, on the back of that, you know, how much more development out of Mitch Owens and Marcus Windhager and, and some of these guys that have now been in the system for a year or two? Well, Philippo was outstanding, I thought, his first year for a kid of that size, his age, 
uh, and just stepping out of you know underage football in SA. That's a massive leap. It's uh, their underage footy in the main is not quite uh, as high a level as the, the coach talent league over in Victoria. So for him to do what he did and virtually play every game uh, was outstanding. And, and I think you'll manage his development well. I'm just backing Ross Lyon and the group in to manage that. And he, he could end up a star of the game, that boy, whether he's uh, playing in a forward, a third forward role or getting into the midfield as he develops his tank. Um, but he showed all the indications that uh, that uh, if he could just uh, mature as boys normally do, both... Uh, uh, in the way they uh, play the game as well as the way in which they handle the professionalism needed. Uh, he could be a star of the game, that boy. So I think you're in great shape with, uh, certainly uh, with Owens and, and uh, with Philippou. Now, one player we have picked that we don't really know anything about yet. No one seems to know much at all, except that I, the Irish are kicking and screaming about losing him. Um, Liam O'Connell, have you, have you got anything on him that we might be able to... Give give us a bit of a heads yeah. up about, or well, he's a boy from Cork in Ireland. So we have a program over there. Marty Clark played at Collingwood. He he runs the development program for the boys identified. So um, we had about or twenty players in training for about six weeks. So he's a boy that spent some time out in Australia uh, and and learnt kicking. So seven or eight years, I think it was, where he was in Australia um, kicking the Sharon. So the challenge of the Irish is to go from the round ball to the Sharon. He won't have that challenge at all. And that was coming back well before uh, St Kilda signed him. That uh, we, we were to bring four boys out. St Kilda jumped in quick, so did Carlton. And they grabbed three and signed them before before we put the invitations out to, to, to four boys to come out. So they beat, they beat the rush, get in early, beat the rush is what they did there with Liam. Uh, and uh, yeah, good luck to them, Gubby and... Gabby Allen and uh, Stephen Silvani just thought that this was the opportunity. They went over, had a good look at uh, the field of boys that we had training, had some training sessions on, and they chose uh, Liam. And maybe it was his kicking because he had that advantage and that uh, he'd spent some time out this way. Um, last one for me, mate, before we let you go. But you've been in the game for a very long time. Um, obviously, as a player and then an administrator and, and then talent and recruitment and, and all that sort of stuff. But how have you seen the change and the shift from back in the the olden days where it was literally go and just watch as many games as you can, see player, recruit player, to now when there's so much more data and um, you know analytics and, and all that sort of stuff behind recruitment. But how have you seen that that change and how do you keep up with it all? Gee, it's, I remember Johnny, the great Johnny Beveridge telling me once that, gee, in his early days at St Kilda, he couldn't afford, they couldn't afford the plane trip to go over to Perth. So they'd, they'd ring a past player and get a tip from him on who they might sign with a Form 4. You know, in those days, you didn't have anything like what we've got today. So it was just a tip off from some mate, you know, as to who you might go after. Uh, look, amazing the, uh, the information that the clubs are, uh, is made available to the clubs anyway and how they use that completely up to them. But when I look and have a look at, uh, there might be a dozen people in the rooms when they're choosing on draft nights, eh? all having a bit of an input into, into the decision they make. Of course, there's a few ones at the top end, the list manager, the recruiter, maybe the coach that have a major say, but there's analysts in there that will have gone through with a fine tooth comb all of the vision, not just from side on, from behind the goals. <laughs> they're having a look at everything. Uh, they're pouring the strength and conditioning or the guy in charge of all of that will be having a look at every combine uh, angle. The medical people will have a look at his uh, uh, past injuries, etc. So 
all of that ends up, you know, debated over a couple of months. So, look, I'm a bit like uh, Darren. Like, we watch from over the fence to a degree. You look at a pure talent. You're not interviewing all of them. Sometimes we'll, uh, I'll get close to the boys that might be in our National Academy because we'll go into camp and I watch them closely. The Allies boys I'll watch closely because, again, you're into camp with them. I'm helping them with their selection. You'll get to know them a bit more. But some of the other boys I wouldn't have interviewed or gone to their homes like clubs do to find out about their makeup or, or um, the influence in their, their life and what their ambitions are after interview. So it's... Um, yeah, it's still an exciting place to be, but you, you haven't got every single bit of info that the clubs would have, the intellect that they have there through uh, uh, through their very, very detailed scrut- scrutiny of all of the boys that are in the pool. And ultimately, they want someone that will have the, res- the resilience to be able to put up with the, the injuries or getting dropped or not being ready to play. All those things will come into it because not every kid is Nick Dacos that gets in there and starts from day one. It still can be a very bumpy little road along the way uh, that they'll have to go through in their first couple of years as they try and establish themselves. So, yep, I look forward to it from year to year, still as fresh as uh, when I started, I think, in, in looking forward to the next group. It's just be a fortnight away. We'll have the academy in again for a camp. This is the best 25 getting ready for next year. Uh, <laughs> Levi Ashcroft at the top of the list, all those boys. So that's always <laughs> exciting to see uh, uh, the next group come on again and we'll be in camp, watch them train, yeah, get to know them a little bit uh, and uh, start to follow uh, their development in their draft year in 2024. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, alongside you calling Harley Reid and, and even Levi Ashcroft at a 15-year-old a couple of years ago, Harry Sheasel and all of that crop that came through and, of course, Mitch and, and Marcus at the, the Saints. But look forward to sitting next to you on the uh, on the road show in 2024 and taking it all in. But thanks for giving us a, a comprehensive wrap. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, good luck to all the boys at the Saints. And we're a little bit closer to that next premiership, I think. <laughs> good luck, guys. <laughs> thanks, mate. Shift to she in there and genuine encyclopedia when it comes to knowledge of all of these kids from top 10 to... 70, 80, 90 in the draft. There is no one who knows more than than he. And, the guru. Yeah, absolutely. And it sort of segues in. Steve asked the question, we were really into Hugo Hawker-Hahn during the 2021 mid-season draft for Sydney Swoop. I think he was playing in the Frankston area at the time. So now delisted and being a local player, do you think he's worth a look? Uh, saw a bit of him in that same era as the, the likes of um, Owens and Windhager and that type of time playing in the Coates League. And, yeah, he was solid enough, but you know, I'd be curious to know what the knock has been. He wasn't drafted initially when I thought he was going to, and then he got drafted into the, in the mid-season by Sydney and, and has since been moved on. I know they've got a lot of players like that, but um, mm. yeah, obviously it's a pretty ruthless yeah. industry, so I'd like to know, I guess, what it has been that has held Yeah, I think back. generally if Sydney don't get something right, it's not usually That's worth right. looking at either. Mm. Um, they don't get mm. too many wrongs, to be honest, so... Um, probably if he has a mate of there, it's probably not not going to be a player to pursue from there. So unless they some unless he somehow just becomes a superstar, and you go okay, maybe mid season if we need something like that, but it generally won't won't happen. Yeah, I mean they might have a look at it uh, mid season again if he started the year well. Not sure. Um, Michael and and Bob are asking similar questions about. Dougal Howard and Zach Jones, just paraphrasing in regards to their spot on the list. Uh, Nick, I mean, Dougal Howard, I think 
he's still essential in the sense whether he's you know absolute best twenty two. I think you have to have him there, and the Zach Jones one's a bit more speculative given his body. Yeah, look, I think they've done the right thing by Zach Jones. They gave him a one year deal uh, at the end of the season just to, to to see if he could get his body right and, and contribute. He is different to the guys that we've spoken about in in the middle, in the guts there, in in Crouch and Steele and and those guys. He's got he's got pace, he's got power. Um, you know, which is something that, you know, heading out of this season, we didn't have a lot of. So I can I can understand why they they offered him that that year to see if he can get right and, and contribute again. Dougal Howard, I think, the reality is that that six foot three, six foot four fullbacks, key defenders don't grow on trees. Not AFL ready guys, and and there weren't a whole lot of those type of guys on the market either. That that either from a, a free agency or, or trade perspective. Um, and then again in the draft who were who were kind of ready to come in and, and play key defense. And, you know, we kind of made it work in the second half of the year after after Dukes got injured, um, you know, playing a bit smaller in defense with, with Wilkie and, and those guys, um, you know, battle and, and, and stuff, kind of playing as, as team defense, zone defense, rather than kind of your big kind of monster gorilla fullback. But, you know, every team needs one of those guys who can come in and play a role and, yeah, there are going to be times where, where we need a guy who's who's a big body to come in and play on a big body forward. Um, and like I said, these guys don't grow on trees. And um, I, I think if there was a deal to be made, if there was something that you can get proper value for Dougal Howard, we might have looked at it. But again, you look at, at who you replace him with, and there wasn't a whole lot out there to, to replace a guy like that. So I'm not surprised that, that Dougal Howard's still on the list. And, and I would still have him borderline best 22, if not best 22, most weeks, depending on, on matches. Yeah, both of them probably, if fit, and Zach Jones in the case of body and mind at the same time too, would probably be in our 23. And that, that's what you got to look at. If Zach Jones is at his, absolute, at his best, is he in our best 23 players? And you'd probably go, at the moment, yeah. There could These kids could come through and pass him, but probably at the moment, that's where he'd be situated. He'd be situated in our best players. So it's, yeah, a case of you can't just, I guess, throw that sort of player out the door when we've lost the few that we already had. It's you, you can change so much without causing an issue, but if you change too much, it can become an issue. So it's yeah, I, I would still we've only given him one year, um, but yeah, it, it's worth I guess giving him that one year and just see see if he's right. Give him that opportunity this year. If it doesn't work out this year, then that's probably going to be it. If he finds that form again. We haven't thrown away something that had that ability. So it's, yeah, if he, he get, I would not be surprised at all if he gets back into our best 22 at some point and holds his position because, yeah, once uh, again, he's a player who's proven it, but he can be. Why can't he do it again? Yeah, he pushed back in and then got hurt again. A mm. um, couple, I'll ask one each of these to finish. Um, I was Toby asking a question about uh, releasing jumper numbers earlier, and there's a few interesting ones which we mentioned, one and four, and those sorts of numbers that are available to see where they land. Um, number four, we know historically uh, significant, as is one for that matter. Matt asking sort of 
presumptively where's the premiership party my view is always a cigar and a, a glass of champagne in the middle of Moorabbin at some stage in the evening whether that be the start or the end if that ever did eventuate um one each one for you nick a two-part question um Kazonte asking, is Wilson ready to go like Pooh last year? And which, this is from Steve, which of the young fellas might be closest to being ready to contribute? So I guess one, is Wilson ready, do you think? And if not he, then who? I, I think he's pretty close, Darcy Wilson. I think he's the most likely to impact from day one. Uh, and and you know, there's a reason he's he's a top 20 pick. And as Shifter said, kind of was, was a, a borderline top 10, top 12 type talent as well the the knock on him is is his body size and whether he's strong enough to, to compete in the contest at, at senior level um, but in terms of running capacity um, and, and his ability to, to win the ball on the outside and and drive forward uh, and, and contribute on the scoreboard as well like that's something that we don't have a lot of midfielders who can who can hit the scoreboard consistently um, and and with regularity um, Darcy Wilson is is clearly the the first cab off the rank if you had to pick one of these guys who could step in round one and, and play. Um, but there's a few guys probably ahead of him that, that play similar positions. We've spoken about Mason Wood, uh, Bradley Hill on the wing, uh, a few of those other guys. Jack Sinclair uh, is one of those guys who, who probably plays a, a similar type of midfield role if, if Sinclair is, is going to step into more of a full-time midfield role. Um, then he's probably a guy that, that, that plays a similar role. So I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Darcy Wilson start at, at Sandy and, and kind of get his legs. But it also wouldn't surprise me, having seen some of his highlights and, and heard guys like Shifter talk about him, that you know, maybe he has a, a, an amazing preseason and, and is ready to go week one. But a, a lot might come down to the fitness of the rest of the squad as well, as, as we saw this year um, you know, with guys like Filippo, who probably wasn't expected to play you know, 23, 24 games in, in his first year. Um, and, and the move to, to push Owens forward and all those types of things. There's a lot of moves made depending on health and fitness of other, other guys and, and availability. So, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of um, water to go under that bridge before round one. But yeah, I'd love to see him play some of the, the senior practice games. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think that he'll contribute at some point at some level uh, throughout next season. Uh, Cam asking was letting JB go an active mercy in the end doesn't seem like there was a lot of upside in the trade for us mercy not necessarily the right word but yeah I, I sense it was a you know a long term servant of the club who'd been squeezed out of the best 22 and his career might have dwindled away and you want to give him an opportunity somewhere so I think they were looking after him as, as there's no issues with that and Nick kind of alluded to it hey it's the last one for you Luke asking good met so many options across half back do you expect Jack Sinclair to be a full-time midfielder now? I wouldn't think full-time, but maybe starting in there more often though than what he has. Um, we've seen him impact in the middle and change the course of a game a couple of times and just be that difference that we need at that moment. Um, but at the same time, we, we restrict him to being in the middle the whole time and does the back line fall over a little bit? He's he's going to be, I still think, um, required down there at times, and if not, still most most of the time in the back line, like uh, even a sixty forty split kind of thing. I mean, starting in that position and then being an impact player through the middle, like we had Gresham doing um, last year, he'd be negating the clearances, but 
him with him gone there, he Sinclair maybe steps in and takes that position. And as the same he, he did last year, so yeah, he, he can get in there and get it. And but we've got to find that player who is going to be the one that take that position that Sinclair's in. You can't just kick him out of there and not have the player that can fill that same role. It, it, it's a big role to fill. It's a dual All-Australian position, the way you have to look at it. He's, he's in there twice in that position. So big boots to fill. And you can't just... We can't just get rid of that straight away. So, yeah. It, it, it'll be an easing thing, I think. So it'll just be a matter of how the, how we can structure that back six. There's there's a lot of talent to go through the middle as well. Mm. Obviously, Mitch Owens is probably not going to be a full-time forward for the rest of his mm. career. I think the, the no. goal is to get him into the guts and Windhager probably as well. Um, yep, plus Paddy Dow and, and you know, uh, a few of the other guys that, that are stepping up. We saw Messiah Wanganin Miller take that that step up last season potential to have him. You know, spend some minutes in the middle as well. Filippo um, also, I think, is is you know, has has the potential to be a midfielder. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to be down to, to to Jack Sinclair to be that kind of um, you know Messiah moving into the middle, but. Uh, Quick one, um, Parker, for you off off the listener questions as well. But St. Twit FC asks, um, you know, we're a year into the into the Ross Lyon two era. Um, where do you think we are in in terms of the rebuild? Yeah, it's interesting. I was just thinking before that in a year of exploration for both the men's and women's team, we were a bee's dick away from having both of them play finals in the same year. Obviously, the, the girls were a bit stiff in the end with the way. Um, the way it all unfolded, obviously a couple of costly losses early, but they got going. But yeah, in terms of the guys, um, it's it's hard to say because I mean I think they exceeded expectations last year, and I think that was in the face of a lot of things that didn't necessarily go right, injuries certainly, and um, other circumstances. Um, so you would think with a you know an even run of luck and a fixture that's probably a little bit kinder, apart from the start, uh, which is a bit tricky early, but. Uh, there are opportunities there for them to win enough games to to just to play finals again. I would think that you reset the expectation to be at the very least what you'd achieved the previous year and you want to take some levels of steps. So um, I think they demonstrated quite clearly they were a final side. They spent the entire year in the eight. It wasn't a fluke. Um, so now it's from a year of exploration, you'd say they're at a year now of consolidation and make sure that this is where we are. We're now a team that plays finals all the time. Um and tries to grow from that. So, yeah, I think we, we've learned the lesson now that we should expect to be a top eight side for the foreseeable future would be my, my view. Now, one little thing from draft night that a few people, I think, picked up on, the jumper that we handed to Wilson. Mm. Have we decided that the crest is going to be on a patch? Has the uh, has the popularity from the Guernsey we wore this year with the patch made the club think, hey, let's stick it on an on like it's not a proper patch, it's just a a printing panel, but it makes it much more prominent. It makes it actually stick out from the yeah. jumper instead of being halfway around the side of the Guernsey, hidden under an armpit almost. Are we hoping like anything like that there, that yeah. is going to be staying? Because I hope that just wasn't a mock-up jumper. That it, yeah, it, I, it's I it's in the rules. They, I can't see they mock it up for one. No, night. 
No, it, it had the yeah. had the cherry logo on the on the front. I, I think I, my opinion, and don't have any inside information by by any means, but my opinion is that's that's the jumper mm. for twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a subtle tease potentially, and there's a lot of people, a lot of Saints fans on Twitter that are very passionate about that subject. Understandably so, um, jumpers are very important, but. Yeah, it, it gets a lot of interest from a lot of people, our friends over at uh, RWB Footy. Um, certainly very big on that yeah, topic. Yeah, we so, seem to be sticking to the yeah. rules. of. And as A lot of people don't, mm. don't seem to understand that there's a sizing rule that we have to stick with. We were given permission last mm. year to be larger. This year, we have to go back to what it was. And that seems to be a way around of getting it on differently, but sticking to the size rules. And yeah, it's... It, Seems a good way around it. Well, the boys are back on the track. Uh, it's nearly December, so then you start, you know, you drift through your Christmas parties and all of that sort of stuff, and then it's into the new year and you're not too far away from it all being back again. So it does travel pretty quickly at this time of year, and it's been great to, to wrap it all. We're always excited to have the list complete or very much close to so um yeah hopefully it's good to have a lot of the guys that had post-season surgery like king steel and wood and those sorts of players back at the club already um so no delays seemingly on them particularly for max king that was obviously a, a bit of a season definer and just need jack steel it's probably no surprise with jack that his body was absolutely pulverized all year. He has about 18 operations and then he puts his hand up to come back early anyway we can so, rebuild um, him yeah i, I think <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll argue all day, all day long that I think he's uh he's justified being the skipper. That's for mm. sure. But um, yeah, we look we look forward to to rolling into another new year, and it's been great to to have a chat again and to get Shifter's expertise. But go Saints and enjoy. If we don't speak before Christmas, enjoy the the rest of your year. <laughs>